This is the Podium Finish Live from Austin, Texas, and various points across the country. Here's your host, Rob Tiamson. And a good, good day to everyone out there listening to us on your preferred podcasting platform. Welcome to TPF Live, episode number 88, the world's fastest hour of racing talk. I'm Rob Tiamson, and I'm so glad that you could be joining me on this edition of our post-Bristol pre-Texas podcast that's going to talk more about the NASCAR playoffs, of course, and of course, all the exciting action that I'll be looking forward to seeing this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. There's so much to get to on this podcast that it's doubled the pleasure and fun in terms of what you'll be hearing a little bit later on, of course, with the hot seat segment. It's been busy times, but nevertheless, I'm excited to say the least. My co-host Nathan Solomon is off again this week. He should be joining us again sometime down the road. I know he's been a really busy student at St. Bonaventure University as a senior, so we'll hear from Nathan again down the road. But for now, another solo cast, but this one's extra special because of the fact that it's going to be my next on-site appearance at the racetrack, doing some stories. And I'm already working on stories, as you've been noticing on my social media handles and on the podiumfinish.net and on my YouTube channel as well. So we are, I've been really busy to say the least, but I'm so excited. And I hope I hear from a lot of you folks on social media about your plans to go to Texas Motor Speedway. Hope to see some of you folks at the racetrack. I know it's going to be a scorcher, but we Texans, we know how to deal with the heat and humidity. We are a little smart. So hydrate, 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 and have a lot of fun and enjoy the uh, racing action that's going to be happening in the Fort Worth, Dallas area. Texas Motor Speedway, of course, has been around really since 1997. So for the last 26 years, it's been one of the more challenging racetracks that we have on the NASCAR circuit. And I don't anticipate that this is going to be any different this weekend. I think it's going to be a lot of treacherous, slippery action at this racetrack. But Hey, that's why we're here to do the coverage. And uh, for you folks that love to watch the races at home, come to Texas. It's a great racetrack. Lots to look forward to, despite what you may hear online. I think it's a great racetrack at 1.5 miles in length and different banked corners. I mean, it's everything that you would want on an intermediate racetrack, except without the cookie cutter features. And we know on the cup side how well the next-gen car has been on the intermediate tracks in the Xfinity series. We all know how much that series has been thriving all year round. So I'm really looking forward to working alongside my photographers, Sean Folsom, Dylan Adwadney, and John Arndt to do the coverage that you folks will see all weekend long. In fact, we're, we're, we've been kicking off our coverage really since the beginning of this week. So I hope you folks at home have caught the Eric Jones hot seat interview and the Parker Klergerman hot seat interview because we're going to have a lot more not only at this racetrack weekend at Texas, but of course next week when we get to Talladega race weekend. So the season may be winding down, but we're just getting warmed up. And it's the last summertime edition of our show because as you folks know, this weekend, it's the first day of autumn. I'm so excited for that. Mother Nature doesn't know it's autumn, but hey, I love fall. It's the greatest season of the season of all the seasons out there. So I uh, can't wait for that. But before we talk about all the things we'll preview about Texas and recap about Bristol, I do want to let the folks know at home, we've got some great hot seat interviews for TPF Live. That's right, folks. Doubleheader time. We have one of the 
most successful drivers in the Cup Series right now. That's going to be joining me and Kyle Larson. And then after his interview, we'll hear from one of the more exciting young drivers in the NASCAR Xfinity Series with a team that he calls young. And they've really been a, a fun story to watch all season long. That, of course, would be Parker Kligerman, driver of the number 48 Big Machine, spiked cool like coolers Chevrolet Camaro, fielded by Big Machine Racing. So it's going to be fun to hear different stories, perspectives, and overall just good conversations that you fans at home can unwind to, listen to. And if you're at the racetrack, miss the caution period, or it's just before on-track activities, Put TPF Live on your iPhone or your mobile device. Listen to us while you're at the racetrack. No better combination for sure. Before we get started, let's go hear from our presenting sponsor, SpoilerDieCast.com. Hey, racing fans. Are you in the hunt for the latest diecast cars from Lionel Racing or F1 or IndyCar diecasts? Well, look no further. If you head to SpoilerDieCast.com, you'll find all of the latest and greatest diecast cars and get free shipping and 5% off of your orders if you use promo code TPF by spending $20 or more on your items. Head over to SpoilerDieCast.com and let Evan and his team know that you want the best diecast cards around. And if you use promo code TPF, you'll be in the winner's circle. It doesn't get better than that. So just head on over to SpoilerDieCast.com and make your latest purchases today. And as always, folks, promo code TPF is going to get you some free shipping, 5% off your orders, and you'll feel pretty good about that fast shipping that Evan and his team are always known for to get your diecast cars or merchandise sent to you in a really timely manner. So that's why they're presenting sponsor of our podcast, and I couldn't think of a better partner to have for our show. Right now, though, let's go head on over to Podium Perspectives, powered by SpoilerDieCast.com. Now, on Saturday night during the Bass Pro Shops night race at Bristol Motor Speedway, of course, we know that Denny Hamlin won the race. We also know that Mother Nature, she tried to go and stop this race many times, and she did, but she didn't have the race end prematurely, thankfully. We got all 500 laps in, somewhat about 266.5 miles. You folks at home tried to run around that many times around Bristol, but it was a it depends on your perspective. For me, I thought it was a pretty decent Bristol Motor Speedway race. Of course, Fulter still kind of thinking that the short track package is a maligned one, but it is what we have right now, and we kind of have to deal with it. But I thought as Hanlon won the race, what an exciting story that we had for the race runner-up, and not just because he's on the hot seat later on, but Kyle Larson had the fastest car it seemed all weekend long. And on in his qualifying lap, he kind of got a little greedy. He tried to hug the, the bottom yellow line, and instead his car lost traction. He saved it, but it's it really killed his laps around Bristol, and he had to start last because his time was just so slow. So the, to do this at a 0.5366 mile short track, and if you folks at home watched how the traffic was at that racetrack for the drivers, you know how difficult it was to make passes and that the, the high lane didn't really kick in until a little bit later on in the race, especially once the rain stopped falling and we had 
enough green flag laps to see the drivers searching for different grooves around the concrete beast that is in eastern Tennessee. And Larson made a good attempt to try to win the race. I mean, it's not an easy feat anywhere to go start last and try to win the race. But at Bristol, even more so, I mean, he had to really rely on his pit crew to deliver good stops. He even had to overcome a running over his equipment pet road penalty that put him back in the field again. But he and Danny Hamlin otherwise were running near each other almost all race long. And when they were in the back, they were in the back. It's, they moved to the front of the field. They were at the front of the field as well by pure merit and pace. And then there was a while in that last restart, it looked like Larson may have had that short run speed to try and challenge Danny Hamlin. And some folks may be thinking maybe he should have tried a little harder to beat Danny, but then he had the long run pace. And Larson, I think, was just trying to use his cards a little bit wisely. And knowing he didn't have the speed to really execute a clean pass on Hamlin, you got to think a bit long-term about the playoffs. So he got a good second-place finish. I'm sure he wanted to get that victory, but Danny Hamlin got it. He's got three victories now, and he's ranked in third place in the point standings. And in the matter, as a matter of fact, of course, you know the top two drivers in the NASCAR Cup Series round the 12 playoff standings, Byron had a really decent day, but Martin Truex Jr. had a really difficult race on Saturday night, but... He did enough to advance into the next round, and it's a situation that has him tied for the points lead again with William Byron, of course, with that points reset that we do after each round. Danny Hamlin, of course, moves himself up a few points within the points leader. In fact, he's only four points behind Byron and Truex. Then we have Kyle Larson, who started the round of 16 in sixth place because of the victory that he got at Darlington and the stage victory at Kansas. He's moved up to fourth. He's only 13 points behind the points leaders. Then we have Chris Buescher, Kyle Busch, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, who are in the, above the cut line. And then on the cut line, to make it to the round of eight, currently we have Ross Chastain, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, and Bubba Wallace. We'll have a lot to talk about with my predictions about the round of 12, how I see it playing out. And it's not necessarily my race winning picks, just more about, you know, who do I think will advance and who do I see just barely missing the cut? Because this is the most intense playoff so far in terms of the parody. But now we're starting to see a lot more of a paradigm shift. We are starting to see the cream rising to the top and some who have overachieved. And we're just going to see if they can continue that moving forward into the round of 12. Speaking of the round of 16, you have to admit, folks, if you had your brackets, I'm sure you had Joey Logano making it. I'm sure you had Kevin Harvick in his farewell season in Cup. You had him making it. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Michael McDowell, if you had both drivers into the round of 12, you were either a really ardent supporter of the teams or you really were convinced about their recent successes this year. But given the stacked crowded house that we had in the round of 16. I wouldn't say it's a shock that McDowell and Stenhouse missed the cut. They definitely gave it valiant efforts at Bristol. And in Michael McDowell's case, he's really been overachieving for front row motorsports. And I would give it another year or two before that organization becomes a really, really solid team, like an RFK racing type of team. But Kevin Harvick missing the playoffs, well, for the round of 12, that's a shocker. 
we all know that he's really good at the tracks that were in the round of 16, but it just goes to show that if you don't score stage points and you don't have consistency in the regular season, it certainly hurts you down in the playoffs. So for those who say, oh, the regular season doesn't matter, it certainly does. But for Joey Logano, the defending NASCAR Cup Series champion, yes, to me, it's a shock because I felt like he's the kind of driver and with his team and Team Penske that they were they could they could have scrapped out finishes. They could have gotten the points, but they just didn't execute, especially at Bristol before the wreck that happened uh, just a little bit after halfway with Corey LaJoy. Now, Darlington, it's not really his fault. I know he recovered to get a top 15 finish, but at Kansas, they just missed out on getting stage points. And in the regular season, folks, he only had one win at Atlanta. But otherwise, the pace was not consistent with our defending Cup Series champion and his cars. So they're going to be doing a lot of soul searching going into this offseason. But certainly, I have no doubt that if Logano can try to get some momentum down in these final seven races of the season, I think that they can make a good run of it next year i'm not trying to be like sam posey and say all oh, the numerology wasn't there for logano because it's an even season and logano doesn't do well in even seasons but oh in the odd seasons well even seasons he's really good at the odd seasons maybe not so much but it's not all about that it's kind of been a situation where i think team penske cars have really lacked that speed that killer instinct that their other ford performance partners are doing a good job with, especially RFK Racing and even Front Row Motorsports, despite the fact that McDowell's out. I mean, the number 34 car has been more of a fixture towards the front of the field, especially during the summer, versus Logano's number 22. So a lot of thinking ahead for the Team Penske campus, and I'm I'm not so sure they're going to like my prediction for my round of 12 predictions, because to me, honestly, I think... It's going to come down to Hendrick and Gibbs and RFK Racing being in the mix. And if Richard Childress Racing's Kyle Busch can find a little bit of pace in the round of the, round of 12, then maybe we'll see them being a factor in the round of eight. But to make life easier, I'm not going to tell you who's going to win. But let me tell you who I think is going to miss the cut because it's a little bit easier doing that. This may seem a little bit lazy, but I'll say Bubba Wallace, Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, those three are definitely sure are standing out. Now, this one's a really tough call because I just said Joe Gibbs Racing is really good. But honestly, Truex Jr., if they can heat up, they'll be fine. If they can even survive the round of 12 and still make it to the round of eight, then the next round really favors them. So the odd man out in this situation to me is Christopher Bell because their pit crew has been making lots of mistakes. And they really haven't had the speed that we've seen out of Danny Hamlin and even Martin Truex Jr., uh, during the playoffs. Now things can change, but, and I know Christopher Bell won the Roval last year, but you know, to me, they're, they just haven't done enough at all. And if it's not going to be him that misses the playoffs, I hate to even say this. Ross Chastain doesn't look like somebody to me who can make a deep playoff run. I think he's a great talented driver. I think Phil Surgeon's a good crew chief, but track house racing hasn't really had that same swagger that we saw last year going into this year. And it's not because of Mr. H's apparent call or anything like that, but Ross Chastain in his journey to refine his style, I think he's lost a little bit of that raw speed from him pushing the car to its limits. 
without having to crash into other drivers. Now he could go out and win Talladega and I look, look like a total fool, which, hey, it's not the first time that's ever happened. But to me, I think Ross Chastain, Christopher Bell, Ryan Blaney, and Bubba Wallace are not doing enough to convince me that they can make the round of eight. Now that really means that I think Tyler Reddick's going to have a decent round. I think Mark Drix Jr. is going to do just enough to make it in. And I really believe the RK, RFK racing is going to be super tough in this in this particular round, just because we know they're good on the road courses. We have one in the Charlotte Roval, but we also know just how fast they are at the super speedways because Ford seems to be the preferred manufacturer at these tracks. So that's my prediction. I, I will not go ahead and make all three race winning picks yet because that's going to change, I'm sure, week to week because... I have to give you my picks right now about Texas. It's winning time, folks. So we'll start things off with Saturday's Andy's Frozen Custard 300, which, of course, last year was won by Noah Gregson. He's not entered, of course, but he has been recently reinstated by NASCAR. So we'll see what happens with him. And, of course, on Sunday, that's a NASCAR Cup Series race, the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 400. And our defending race winner is Tyler Reddick, who I mentioned will do just enough to make it in. Of course, the number 18 was the one that won when Tyler Reddick drove that car last year. But this year, it is now going to be, of course, Kyle Busch. All right. So as far as my picks are concerned for this weekend for the Xfinity Series race, we haven't seen College Racing do a lot yet. But Daniel Hemrick, of course, he's living large because he'll be making his way back to the Cup Series in the number 31 car. So I'd say he's one of the factors for Saturday's race. Chandler Smith, you can never count out. But I really think that you have to look out for the number 48 big machine spiked light cooler Chevrolet Camaro driven by Parker Kligerman. I really think that he can get the job done as far as getting to victory lane on Saturday. Now, as far as Sunday's race is concerned, the big one, it's going to be super hot on Sunday. If you thought last year's was bad, this one's going to be even worse. We may be also be facing the fact that the cold front's going to be approaching us just like last year again. I hope I don't have to be there till about 11 o'clock at night, but it it's uh, it's summer almost ending and fall coming back. So to me, it's 400 miles. So we should definitely get it in and get it done a little bit earlier. We'll see. But I think it's going to come down to Kyle Larson. If he can stay out of trouble, his picker delivers. Because last year they won stage one, but they had some miscues on pit road. This year, they've been really good, and Larson's been making a few unforced errors this year. So I think for me, our hot seat guests are going to be winning this weekend. No, that's not the reason why they're the hot seat guests, but I just really like their chances at this racetrack and this race weekend. But what do you folks think at home? Is Kyle Larson and Parker Clergiman going to win this weekend, or will someone else get the job done? Let me know on my social media accounts on X, Instagram. Facebook, of course, and Threads, because my handle is at Rob T. Onsen. And of course, my general one is at the podium finish. Let me know if you happen to make the race winning picks this weekend. I will personally get you an in-stock 2023 164 diecast car from spoilerdiecast.com. So make those picks, folks. I want to see a winner out of this weekend, besides myself. But anyways, why don't we go ahead and get to the hot seat? a double header.
Welcome back to another edition of In the Hot Seat here on the Podium Finish and the Podium Finish Live. Rob Tiongson here, and on this edition, I'm pleased to be joined by driver of the number five, HendrickCars.com Chevrolet Camaro ZL1, driven by Kyle Larson. Kyle, as you know, folks, he's in the round of 12, and he's vying for his second NASCAR Cup Series championship. So before we get started, Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, ready to get the round of 12 started, and um, you're hoping for a, a solid round like we had in, in round one. Yeah, round one was certainly pristine as can be. I mean, you had an average finish of 2.33. And when your worst finish is fourth, you're like, man, I can just repeat that three more times and we'll get a second championship, right? Uh, no, I mean, it's uh, I think we all understand the playoffs are tough and it, uh, it changes week by week. So, um, you know, obviously good runs help the confidence and momentum, but uh, it's a new round, a new set of racetracks and um, you know, new challenges up ahead. But you know, I feel good about this round. Um, you know, starting off at Texas, uh, a track that we've won at in the past. We were fast there last year, just uh, had uh, some hiccups along the way. But um, and then Talladega, you know, that's a, obviously a, a sketchy one. But, you know, anybody can go there and, and feel like they have a shot to win. And then, you know, the Roval is, is a place that, you know, I feel like we've ran well at. So um, just got to keep executing and, and trying our best to stay up front. Yeah, certainly, because the round of 12 offers a little bit of everything, unlike the round of 16, which was the Southeast tour with Kansas mixed in. And now all of a sudden you have everything you can conceive of in terms of challenges and uh, kind of touched upon that. I mean, Texas this weekend, it's not your ordinary intermediate like a Las Vegas or Homestead or Kansas. Uh, what makes Texas such a challenging track for drivers like yourself? Um, well, you know, I think when you look at the weather, it's supposed to be pretty hot, um, you know, in the nineties. So the track should be a little slicker than normal. Um, and, and it's a place that you run, you know, a lot of throttle at. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe we'll be, you know, slipping and sliding a little bit more. It is a difficult place to pass, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. It's just, um, you know, it's interesting. You come off turn two and, and you try and hold it wide open through three and four and, uh carry a lot of speed on the front stretch but it's you're on edge doing it so um trying to get the balance right especially the temperatures being hot is a uh, is a challenge on the crew chiefs but um you know it should be uh should be a good place for us you know like i said we've ran we we have ran well there in the past so i'm um, excited to get there how much of a difference will this year's race be knowing that it's 100 less miles because obviously in the past it's been one of the few 500 mile races we have on the schedule yeah, I think, honestly, I don't know if much changes other than, you know, you have a little less time to get back to the front if you make a mistake. So I think that makes, you know, not making a mistake even more important. But um, 400 miles is still a long time. Um, 500 miles felt like forever. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that they shortened it some. But, uh, yeah, it does put a little bit more emphasis on, on you know, executing. Certainly, because uh, this is one of the more trickier tracks and the hot weather is just enough to deal with and uh, try to get the setup right as well. And you touched upon the challenging conditions that Mother Nature is going to provide. And I know you're one of the more fit drivers in the Cup Series. You know, how important is physical fitness for you to not fall out of the seat and be able to hold on as tight as you can for all you can in these races? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely important. Um, you know, I think really the biggest thing is just hydrating uh, throughout the the week and in the morning of the race. 
um, stuff like that. You know, when it's hot outside, obviously these cars aren't like, you don't need big muscles and stuff to, to race them. But I just think dealing with the, the hot temperatures is the most important piece. Um, the next gen cars are really hot, but uh, we're fortunate enough um, these days to have, you know, cool suits that, uh, that help us out quite a bit. You know, so our fireproof underwear is full of these basically water lines that plugs into a cool unit and uh, pumps, you know, cool fluid through the suit and um, does a great job of cooling your core temp down. So um, if that wasn't working, it would be uh, very, very tough on the body. But um, yeah, Hendrick Motorsports uh, supplies us with the, the best comfort um, for the race cars and, and definitely makes the job a little easier. I've seen that. Like it's that black tube that comes out of your uniform. It almost looks like a space thing from science fiction, but how much would you say it cools you down as opposed to if you didn't have that at all? It's, it's a lot. Um, yeah, there's some weeks, you know, when I don't think the temperature is too hot that I will not wear it during practice. And it's just a 20 minute practice, but by the end of it, you know, I'm sweating more than I am after a 500 mile race. So, you know, that's only 20 minutes. The car probably isn't even up to full temperature by that point, but, um, yeah, so I mean, you've seen drivers who wear it, and and you know maybe their system fails and and you know doesn't work, and those guys are cooked <laughs> at the end of the race, you know, passing out and stuff. So um, you know, knock on wood, hopefully you know, I don't run into that issue ever. But um, it's definitely a, a lifesaver for sure. It's something that I when in the beginning, you know, there was two systems. Your know, one is a much lighter system, but doesn't work as well. Um, where I run the big unit because it's, uh, it, it just works so good that, that I feel like I need it. And I, I'm sure folks who are athletes or those who like to work out, you know, how much water weight you lose and the sweat you get from just being out there for what, two, four hours of intense activity. So for anybody else out there who thinks race car drivers are not athletes, Kyle Larson's a proof that, yeah, you need that cool suit. Cause if you don't, man, that's, that's a challenge and, uh, it's bad enough as it is. So good that you have that innovation around to say the least and uh i do want to talk about the playoffs just a little bit because of the fact that you know last year your emphasis was to defend the championship this year you're saying i want to minimize mistakes and you have so i mean what makes this particular round something that you're saying oh i gotta do a good job because the round 16 we killed it round of eight we could do a good job and we know what we can do at phoenix yeah no i think just for me and and for whatever reason, in the next gen era, it's just uh, been a lot of inconsistency. You know, this is the first time in the next gen era that I've had three top fives in a row. It might even be the first time I've had three top tens in a row. <laughs> so um, just uh, I, I've been a bit inconsistent. So just uh, I've tried to, you know, I mean, I try every week to finish as good as possible. But sometimes I think I try a little too hard and make mistakes or or put myself in areas to get caught up in other people's mistakes where just trying to, to limit all that stuff um, here in the playoffs. And so far we've done a good job of that, but um, this round I think for sure is the one where it's a, probably a, a little harder to maybe be consistent just based on the tracks that are in it. You know, Texas, there's a lot of strategy that goes on. Um, so catching all that right, obviously Talladega, you're trying to avoid a crash is, is a uh, difficult and then the Roval, you know, as well as kind of a wild card. So, um, but if you can, if you can have a good run at Texas, I think, you know, we're 12, I think above the cut line now. So, if, you know, we could gain another, 
gosh, 16 or so on the cut line going into Talladega. Um, that doesn't necessarily give you a ton of comfort, but um, you, you you know you can you afford a little bit of a mistake or or a, or a difficult finish and and still hopefully be okay for the row hole, but um, or at least you feel like you're not in a must win situation anyways. Um, so we'll see. It's just uh, that's why the playoffs are are exciting. I think you know there's just um, so much unknown that can happen in, in any of these races. And it's perhaps the most unique postseason in any sport because it's not like you're the home team. You get like four games and the other team gets three at their home court. There is literally a road game except for Charlotte for most teams. So that's what makes this so exciting. And the fact that you're racing against those who are not even in the playoffs as well. And But the playoffs this year, I would say, is really interesting because there's a good mix of different teams and organizations. I mean, how has the next-gen car been able to create this parity within the field? Yeah, it's definitely created parity. Um, yeah, I feel like for the most part, everybody's steps are fairly similar. You know, I think Gibbs and Hendrick, we've kind of been the two teams maybe above everybody else this year anyways. Um, but then you you have teams like JTG and Front Row who have done a really good job this year. And um, yeah, I think that would have been just way more difficult with the old car. Um, you know, I think it took a lot more resources and engineering to be competitive in that car than it does with this one. Um, so no, it's been good for the sport to see other faces up front, other drivers and teams battling for wins, um, teams with, you know, smaller budgets being able to compete at a high level. So, uh, that part of it's really good, um, for sure. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been fun and, and it all just kind of seems normal at this point. It's a nice change for sure. But like you said, like Hendrick and Gibbs, these are the top two teams. And of course, RFK Racing has been in the mix as well uh, to make things a little bit spicy uh, this season, to say the least. Uh, one thing that's really made this season really interesting is the fact that your victories this year, Kyle, have been at short tracks, except for Darlington, one of the few intermediates that we have left. Um, you know, what does it mean for you to have the success at a track like North Darlington, Martinsville, and, and then to win the all-star race at North Wilkesboro and Richmond, um, some of the toughest tracks in NASCAR? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really cool, uh, for sure. You know, I haven't typically been a great short track racer in my career, so this year has kind of been odd to be as good as we have been on short tracks. Um, you know, winning at Martinsville is something I never thought that I would do. Uh, and then, you know, going to North Wilkesboro, I was a, a, a little bit nervous going there just because of my history on short tracks. Um, but then we were really, really strong in the race. Um, Richmond is a track that surprisingly I've won at twice in my cup career, but it's, it feels like my worst track or one of. So, um, yeah, having success on short tracks has been, been weird. Um, but then going to Darlington, you know, it's a place that I always run really well at. Just uh, haven't quite put it all together to win. So um you know thankfully this year we were able to uh execute a good race and, and finally you know check the southern 500 off of our bucket list so that was really cool and and to win it you know the southern 500 and at north wilkesboro in the same year is pretty pretty incredible and and i don't know when the last time you know drivers been able to do that so definitely a, a special year already at this point but you know, there's still a lot of racing left to, to try and get some more you know cool wins it's been a great year to say the least. And I can think of the last driver who actually accomplished that feat was uh, Jeff Gordon in 1996. So you're in wow. good company. So to know that mm -hmm. one of your heroes did that, you're now in his company with that. So 
pretty fun to say the least. And I know a lot of folks consider you as one of their personal heroes and uh, folks in Las Vegas have a great chance to go and meet you next month. Can you tell us a little bit more about this meet and greet that's happening in Vegas? Uh, yeah, I believe we're going to Junior Ramen Bar. I can't remember what time or, or what day, probably Saturday, I'm guessing. But um, yeah, Junior has been a, a great partner of ours and um, got really good food too. So um, I'm looking forward to going there and eating some food, but as well as, as meeting some race fans. So um, yeah, I, I, maybe you have more information on the, the actual time, but um, yeah, I look forward to uh, getting to hang out with some race fans. Don't worry, folks. I'll get the, the information for Kyle so that you guys can meet him. But uh, it's a good place for sure. And uh, what's some of your favorite menu items from Junior Bar, uh, Ramen Bar? I like the, um, gosh, what is it? It's like the spicy chicken um, ramen. Um, it's really good. Like, I never had ramen before, um, you know, getting hooked up with Junior. And, uh, I mean, just your typical, like, top ramen in a bag so that doesn't really count but um <laughs> like legit ramen that was the you know, first time i've had it and i was like man this is really good so i've been missing out but um yeah they got a lot of other options too besides the ramen um we had the the spicy tuna um like little rice crispy rice cake thing that was really good um they got all sorts of stuff so um they've got a really big menu so yeah i definitely encourage everybody to come out not only meet me, but to try the restaurant. And um, I know they'll be a fan of that as well. It's a win-win situation for folks in the Sin City. So next month, folks, check it out. Meet Kyle and have some good food. And uh, I'll put the details, of course, in the article version of this podcast interview. But I got a couple more questions before you get ready for Texas. I know uh, race weekend's coming up real soon. You know, I know we talked about this in the past with my previous outlet, but, you know, you're known as somebody who loves to run in the high line and some folks succeeded that, but you are just like super comfortable with it. How do you know the balance between the risk versus reward of running in that high line from a comfort and confidence standpoint? Um, well, there with the next gen car, it's, it's much tougher, at least the body is. So to me, there's a little less risk um, running the wall uh nowadays it's it's a little bit easier to run the wall too for whatever reason you know the aerodynamics i think just pack it's easier to pack air between the car and the wall and get better grip um so i think that's why you see a lot of people being able to run the wall now at say like kansas or or track that's got grip where you can run the wall um but i mean you a guy like reddick or myself can still stand out um running up there so we're just we're just comfortable carrying speed up there and um i don't know it's just uh it's been something that that clicked with me early on in my career and and i try to use it to my advantage at, at the you know, few racetracks that you can so um yeah i mean it's just it's just an area to to stand out above the others and and uh you know gain some lap time on them and the, i'm sure the traction up there because no one really runs that lane I'm sure that helps a little bit on the mechanical side for you too, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just really just just getting as close to the wall without hitting it. You know, can it just you pack air between the wall and the right side of the race car, and uh, that kind of holds you out of the wall um, pretty much. So, yeah, just but you also got to you know, get to the wall at the right spots with the right angle and the right speed, and um, it's hard to commit sometimes you know, when you're going. 190 
and you're telling yourself you got to commit to running four inches off the wall or whatever it may be. So, um, yeah, that's where guys like Reddick, myself, like I said, can stand out for sure. And if folks can see this background, look at this. I mean, this is, you guys are not that far off the wall and this is not even the closest you guys get to the wall. So it's just incredible watching what you guys do. Uh, it's so razor thin. It's incredible to watch weekend and week out, even as a journalist. Uh, I know it's got to get ready here, but my last question, kind of a unique one for me to ask you, if you had all the money in the world and the resources to go build a racetrack, anywhere around the world for NASCAR and sprint car competition, what kind of track would you build and where would it be? Uh, I don't know. I mean, for a dirt track, I would build it. I would build a, a, you know, quarter mile, probably high bank, similar to like Pee Wee, probably around the Nashville area. Um, I think, you know, there's a big opportunity for, for dirt racing to strive in that region. Um, to build events around it. Um, so I'd build a dirt track near Nashville. Um, I don't know where I would put a uh, NASCAR track, but I would probably do something similar to like Bristol, you know, maybe a little bit bigger than Bristol, um, but asphalt. I don't know. I don't know if I would do asphalt or concrete. I, I really like concrete, so maybe I'd keep it concrete, but I would probably do something similar to Bristol. Um, you know, maybe with, maybe make it a little wider, uh, a little bit more progressive banking. Um, but yeah, I think the, I think Bristol is a great track. So I don't know where I would put it though. Um, I don't know, like New Orleans, maybe I, I really don't know. I just, it's, it's tough. It's tough to pick a location for a, a NASCAR track, but, um, size and shape. That's what I would do. I love that concept already. And I'm sure eventually down the road, you'll figure it out. Don't let that be the thing that's stuck in your head in Texas. I would hate for you to be like leading the race and you're like, that Rob guy, what the heck did he ask me that question? So I don't want that to occupy you. But uh, do you have anything else you want to say to the fans of the number five team or those of the podium finish who are going to read or listen to your interview with me? Um, no, just uh, I appreciate the the support. And um, yeah, hopefully we can continue to make the five team fans uh you know, proud of us and, and hopefully we can go try and put in some, some good effort to, to get a second championship. So thank you and um, appreciate the time and uh, look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Kyle Larson, driver of the number five, HendrickCars.com, Chevrolet Camaro ZL1, fielded by Hendrick Motorsports. And of course, it's my pleasure to have Kyle back again in the hot seat. And my thanks, of course, to Autumn as well from Hendrick Motorsports for making that happen. Um, all the people at Hendrick Motorsports are among the best in the business. So I really appreciate them. And Adam Dirac, you are a really great member of the Hendrick Motorsports team. And I really enjoy working with you for sure. Now, next up, let's go ahead and get back into the hot seat right now with Parker Kligerman. Welcome back to another edition of In the Hot Seat here on the Podium Finish Live and on the Podium Finish. I'm Rob Tiongson, and on this edition, I'm pleased to be joined by my friend, Parker Kligerman, driver of the number 48 Big Machine Spike Light Cooler Chevrolet Camaro, fielded by Big Machine Racing. Unlike in March, I actually said that right this time, so five bonus points to me, and five bonus points to Parker Kligerman, of course, because he's in the playoffs, folks. Super exciting stuff, so before we get started, how are you doing today? Good, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's been busy. Um... I got back down to North Carolina. I went up to Connecticut for two days um, on Saturday, Sunday, which was nice. And I'm back down to Charlotte. I had Sim this morning. 
bright and early all through the morning. Then we had the little TV show and now joining you here. So um, it's busy, but it's a good busy because it's, you know, it means we're making waves and people want to talk to us and they want to hear what we have to say and what we, you know, what we've got going on, which is really cool. And so overall it's, uh, you know, it's, it's what you want when you're succeeding at the front of a, a series like the Xfinity series and that you get the attention that we're getting, which is really cool. Certainly. And it's well-deserved because you're certainly making some headlines this year. And in fact, I'm trying to dodge your car in my zoom back. I so see that. <laughs> try not to hit me there and just interview. I'm kidding. But, uh, I will. I will. No. <laughs> well, first of all, I should say again, congratulations on making the round to 12. I mean, just the path to get there was as exciting as watching the race victories between the top two regular season drivers who got the championship, but your story is just as exciting to me. But, you know, despite the fact you had that tough result at Bristol, you know, how do you feel about your chances to go and contend for this year's championship, starting with this weekend's race at Texas? Yeah, you know, I think it is possible for us to go all the way. And I think really it comes down to just doing what we've been doing. Um, you know, you mentioned the, the pressure pack situation we're under at Kansas to get in the playoffs. Like, that's the mode we've been in since the beginning for us or throughout the last two months for big machine racing, you know, we've just been in this mode of, of being in a position where it's do or die, you know, every race matters a massive amount. And so I just think, uh, you know, we, we didn't have to change a thing going to the playoffs and therefore, you know, this past weekend we were super fast um, in practice. I, I literally said five to eight laps in, I was like, we're going to win this race. Uh, we qualified well. And then, we got in the race and we had a lot of speed in stage one and we just unfortunately had the you know right front issue. But um, our team did a great job getting us back out on track and gaining five points, which was huge. So that might, you know, that might be big come two races from now at the Roval. You never know. So if we just keep doing what we're doing now, you know, if we show up to Texas and have the same level of speed that we've had the last month or so, um, you know, we're, we're going to be fine. We're going to go challenge for the win and we can do that at the Roval. Uh, I think we could win one of these two or both of them. And, and if not, we can point our way to the next round. So I just have that confidence in this race team. And it, it comes from, you know, people kept asking us like, all right, what do you do when you get the playoffs? How do you, how do you approach this? That sort of thing. And I was like, um, it's really easy. We just keep doing what we've been doing. And, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to be just fine. And I really, truly, I truly still believe that. I mean, things are working out just perfectly because you and Patrick Donahue have just been clicking the, the, the chemistry has been good all season long. And as the season's picked up, you guys are getting the results that you guys should have gotten earlier this year, just because you guys have been competitive and fast all season long. And, you know, considering the fact that you're their first full-time driver since they decided, Hey, we want Parker in this ride. You know, how do you feel about the progress and, and successes that you've built upon with this program for big machine racing? You know, that's been the key for us, you know, first half of the year, was a lot of learning, a lot of figuring out parts and pieces and processes and people and that sort of thing. And that's what race teams are all about. At the end of the day, you know, we're all pretty much working the same parameters mechanically. And so it's about getting the most out of your people and the processes that you have to put those mechanical pieces together. Um, and that was a big part of what's made us better in the second half of the year, because we had to go to work on a lot of those things the first half, uh, you know, Patrick Donahue and everyone, Keith Barnwell and everyone at big machine racing has done a great job of that. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's people like, or I, I like to say we're a young race team. You know, we're a young race team, which means we have to go through all those things and figuring that out against established organizations that have been doing this for the better part of more than a decade, or if not just at a decade, right? Or more than, de or many decades in the case of RCR and that sort of thing. So 
you know, it's a it's a building process. It's always going to be, and it's been really cool to be a part of because, you know, it's something I think a lot of drivers want is that opportunity to step into a young race team and be a part of the process of making it better and get and seeing the results of those things that you're putting in place and the results of the the parts behind the scenes that you're you know no one can see and they never notice and they never know it's actually happening, but you actually you know, you see, you put all those things in place and you put them in the right place, you know, the, the things start to come together and then the results happen. Right. And then, and then that's the really cool payoff. So that's been the rewarding part for me, but I think we have a really high ceiling and we haven't even gotten close to it. And, and, uh, we've got a lot more room to grow and, and continue getting better. And we, uh, you know, I think we can make waves in these playoffs, even with a disappointing start At the end of the day, we had speed and I think speed can fix everything, uh, lost in race teams. And so, um, if we bring that same level of speed, as I said, going forward, we're going to be just fine. Yeah, evidently. Yeah, you guys have got the speed evidently showing all season long. And even cup drivers are noticing that. Like you said, I think during last week's uh, media availability, you had Kevin Harvick, Danny Hamlin come up to you and say, hey, good job, Parker. Great job making it in. And if they're saying that they in their cup drivers, they're recognizing, man, you're, you're you still got it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess so. It's It's always... I don't know if I still got it or what, but it's nice to get the respect of your peers and people like that. that I respect a, a massive amount and who have accomplished so much in the sport at the highest level. And, um, you know, who are people I admire, uh, not just in the driving side, but in all they've accomplished in their lives and, and to, to be a part of this as long as they have, and to be as successful as they have, it's such a cool thing to, to have those nice, uh, comments from them. But, you know, for me, it's not the validation I need, you know, to me, the validation is going out there and getting victory lane. Um, and that's why I'm here. And, you know, I, I, I came here to big machine racing to help them build this race team to make the playoffs and to go win races. And I've, uh, I've ticked a couple of those boxes, but I got to take that last one. And, and I think, you know, for us, we can still get to the championship uh, four without winning, but I really would like to uh, get ourselves in victory lane because there's no better, I feel like a uh, validator in the all racing than getting victory lane. And I think a lot of us on our team know we can win, but it's, there's no re- replacement for the idea of, or for the, the validation and the confidence that just knowing oh, we did win. Right. <laughs> so we've got to go to work on that. But um, you know, I, I think there is a lot of reasons to be positive and it's very cool to get those comments from, from guys like Denny and then Kevin. I just think it's huge because I have been noticing that since we met back in 2013, I've seen this throughout your career and man, you've shown some speed. You've shown that you have the dedication and determination to be at one of the top levels of NASCAR and it's paying off at last. So it, it's just so cool. And you're right. Getting a victory would be validation on the stamp of a great comeback, a great season, because it's like an athlete doesn't want to just get in and be like, Oh, here I am. You guys are you guys are beasts out there. You guys want to win. You don't want to just get a participation trophy and be like, "Hey, good job, Parker. You got two podiums with no wins." But hey, how was your season? You know, you, you want to have that special sauce on it. You know, oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, winning's the end of the day. Winning fixes everything in this sport, as we like to say. But it's just it's why we all do it, right? It's uh, it's cool. All the other stuff and the validation of running well and good finishes, but. My mom always just say, you know, there's there's a rare special set of finishes that don't need a story, and that's when you've won. And you know, it's it's uh, it's this, this when asked how to go, you say we won. End of story. <laughs> no one cares what the rest of the story was. So it's uh, it is a nicer thing to it is 
it is the ultimate goal in all that we do here in racing to be the fastest and to be first on race day. And, um, you know, I, I really think though you, you can't, you know, Rome wasn't built overnight. You can't get there in seconds. You got to build up to it often. And I think we've done just about everything, but when we keep putting ourselves in position, the top five will break through here soon. It's just like Al Pacino with his movie career. It took him, what, 30 years just to finally get oh. an Oscar? I'm not saying it's going to take 30 years for you to win a race. I'm just saying greatness like comes in, in, in time. So I'm just saying Al Pacino had to wait. So there you go. Maybe, maybe you'll get your chance much sooner than he did. But um, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from with that. And, um, well, your team has a vote of confidence in you because they said, hey, there's a contract for next season. You're coming back. We want you back in this 48 car. I mean, how exciting was that for you to, you know, sign on those dotted lines and say, yep, I Parker Clerk admin is driving, I'm driving this car again next year. Oh, it was awesome. You know, it's such a cool, um, once again, validation, right. Of what we're doing here at big machine racing and, and really from Scott Borchetta, the owner who, you know, has been so supportive and, and so amazing and giving me this opportunity to come in here and help them do this at big machine racing and, and to be a part of this, right. And to get to know him and, after all that he's been through this year, um, you know, it's just, it's really cool to be in this place at this time in my life, to have this opportunity um, for all that I've kind of, you know, not given this sport, but a lot of the sacrifices I've made to be here and the effort I've put into being here um, and, and, you know, a lot of the time and, and dedication I've put into this sport across all different facets, um, you know, to have a, a, opportunity one in, in one year, but then to know I'm going to be here again next year and get to build on the success of this year, you know, that's a really cool thing. And it's very rare in my, in my life, in my career, I've never had it happen. So the earliest I'd ever known I had a deal was basically uh, this deal last year in October. And now uh, I've won up that by knowing I had a deal basically in July. So I, uh, I, I'm, I'm in uncharted territory, but I tell you what, it's a way cooler place to be. Um, it's a really awesome place to be. And, you know, I look at these races and these tracks and I think, okay, all right, well, you know, what could, and I, I go to my notes, and I write, what could be done better next year, right? Like knowing that's the case. Uh, many times in my career has not been the case. So it's, um, it's just really cool. And it, and to me, I know where we're going and where we're headed and how things are getting better. And I just see, you know, I want to be a part of the success uh, that we're going to have here in the future um, with all the piece, parts and pieces and people that were put in place. And so, um, I just know, I know there's a lot of, of rewards ahead and I'm just very grateful to be a part of to hopefully get that chance to be a part of it. I'm sure you will because of Keith, Patrick, and of course, Scott have noticed that you're doing positive things for this program. You're going to be in great shape for many years to come. And, uh, I'm really happy for you to see that you're thriving out there. Um, it's just a good inspirational story to say the least. And, you know, you get, you're going to have your next chance to win a race, hopefully this weekend, because uh, yes. we're, we're going to a pretty tricky track in Texas Motor Speedway. <clears throat> it's also going to be, not that I, not that it's news for you, but it's going to be super hot again <laughs> in, in Texas. So, I mean, besides Mother Nature dealing some cruel cards to you drivers this Saturday, what makes Texas such a hard, difficult track uh, compared to other intermediate tracks? You know, it is best described as unique because it is you have the flat turns one and two which you approach at about 200 miles an hour you use a ton of brake you got to be really uh consistent where you get the left run and getting it rotated and get back to the throttle you've got to have the car super loose 
uh, or have it set up in a way that it turns down there. And then from that point onward, turn towards three and four, that's one of the hardest corners in all of NASCAR for us in Xfinity because it's just so fast, low downforce, um, and the car is not set up to go through that. It's set up to go through t- the flat turns one and two. So you're just hanging on. It's on, you know, it's a knife edge of a corner, um, and it's super fast, as I mentioned. So <laughs> it's it's a really intense place in that sense. I remember doing a qualifying lap there back in 2018, the low downforce cup stuff, 750 horsepower. And I got out shaking because it was just so insane how fast we were going through three and four and how on edge it was. And just, you were just, you couldn't believe that the, I think the min speed was like 188 miles per hour <laughs> instead of the corner. So um, that was a crazy time. And, you know, it's, it's not gotten any easier. So it's definitely a unique racetrack, but what's cool you know, we talk about winning. I mean, this is the place that that big machine has won at with Tyler Reddick uh, last year. So, you know, I, I I've looked at places where I felt like I was, you know, the maybe the the one who could make it happen at road courses. And now, you know, I look at a place like this though, and I think, all right, this is you know, this is where I'm learning from the team, and hopefully, can bring that same energy. And if I'm half the driver, I think I am, and can match Tyler Reddick uh, and his ability there. Um, you know, maybe we can go out there and win this weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if we do. That would be quite the scene here in Texas, just knowing that, um, yeah, you mentioned a good point. Tyler won here last year, and you have shown that you've been really fast throughout this season in the intermediate tracks. I mean, I've seen in the past when you want to race, you're going to plant that flag right in the grass, and you'll, you've got a convenient one in the dog leg for sure. Yes. Yeah, there's room for it. Yeah, definitely. So I've also never bought a cowboy hat because I've always thought I wanted to win one at the, at for you know in Texas. So. I have a purposely not bought one. Um, although that, I don't know if I'd really wear it ever, but I haven't <laughs> bought one before and you'll know if I have a cowboy hat, it's because I want it Texas. So I'm, I might as well get one. It would be cool to have. Um, and no, <laughs> no better opportunity than this weekend to go get it done. Spoiler alert, folks, just in case you already know, Parker Clerkman has just won the race on Saturday. So <laughs> I will have all the details on that in his cowboy hat in photos. Uh, let's hope that's the case. That'd be pretty cool to say the least. Uh, man, well, I, I could, I could use a cowboy hat knowing how hot it's going to get. So, but I like my <laughs> hair being out in the uh, open right now, but um, yeah, man. I mean, you talked a little bit earlier about the progress, about the team chemistry. Let's just talk about you and Patrick Donahue for a moment. You know, Patrick's got this great career. He's worked with Jeff Gordon. He's working with you. I mean, how has he brought out the best in you as a race car driver? Yeah. Patrick has done a great job, you know, building this organization. And that's really the key. And and I think, you know, it's not an easy thing to start something from scratch. Um, and that's what he and Scott have done. And he has been there from, you know, day one uh, with this organization and taking them all the way to winning last year and now making the playoffs this year myself. And, you know, that is, uh, that is not, not easy. And he's done a great job of assembling the right people and putting them in the right places. And, you know, I think it's just a testament to us figuring it out in that, you know, he's, He's definitely in a position where in his career, it's one of his best opportunities at a level like this and to be, you know, in the position he's at. And I think, you know, he doesn't take that lightly. And I see that in his work ethic and his effort and, you know, how much he dedicates this program. And, and so I think it's, it's really, you know, good to have some of that experience and that level of dedication who is building this program from day one that sees the growth, sees the things that are improving and, and, and is there to, you know, be part of the success when it happens. And that's really cool. So, you know, in terms of our working relationship, you know, we've done a great job of figuring each other out. I'd say in the second half of the year, 
you know, we often are just in the groove with things, you know, from the sim to practice, to qualifying, to the race, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's best described as a groove because we, we just sort of do the same things each weekend. We don't, you know, we don't re overthink it. We don't, you know, reinvent the wheel. We just do what we know we're best at. Uh, we know we're a great race team. I feel like we've been getting better and better. The qualifying stuff, which are, we have moved our average down a couple spots, which has been great. And, you know, that's all part of the process. And, you know, part of that is, early in the year myself just figuring out these cars and Patrick and them figuring out me and what we found the things that work for us. And so once you have that, you just start trying to tweak on it and build on it. And that's what we've been doing. But like, you know, it's been very impressive what Patrick Donahue and this whole group has done with this race team. And, and I know, you know, people think when they think of a new team, they think small team. I don't like to call us a small team. We're just a young team, right? We're a young team that has had to put all those, those processes in place and all those things. And, you know, all of that is, uh, you know, at Patrick's direction. And so, you know, he's been instrumental in putting those things in places to allow us to have the success that we've had. That's the incredible part about teamwork and how you guys have just built this great chemistry. It's almost like beyond the match game and you guys can complete each other's thoughts. I bet you're getting to the point where you're in the middle of a sentence and he already knows how to complete that sentence. <laughs> I don't know if we're there, but uh, we definitely, in terms of, I would say in racing, yes, definitely. He knows what I'm going to say about the race car basically before I say it. And uh, that's been very impressive for sure. That's a really scary, but great thought just because of the fact <laughs> that if he can do that, you're like, oh, cool. You can fix my loose problem then in turn four. I appreciate that. No, yeah, that's for awesome. sure. For that's sure. awesome. And I'm sure a lot of that knowledge besides your racing career has to come from the fact that you've been one of the solid pit reporters for NBC and USA these last several years. And uh, I know folks often point about you touching the, the asphalt of Texas when it rained in 2020, but I know for a fact, you're obviously one of the more astute, more detailed oriented pit reporters, but how do you balance what you do on TV and the money lap podcast, which is a good friend of ours, by the way, and you do the race car driving life. Like how do you do all of that? It's a lot. It's a lot to manage. Uh, you know, time management is the biggest thing, you know, by calendar and scheduling has been a big part of that. Uh, but it's about having great people and, and, you know, everyone at NBC has been amazing in their support of by my racing and their support of allowing me, you know, the room to, to go about and do this. Um, and then obviously working within the schedule and trying to make it work for me and them, which has been great. So I think that's been really, really awesome. And, you know, I have to thank Jeff Banky and everyone at NBC for working with me on that because it's not, it's not always been the easiest thing. Um, and then personally, you know, I just, I tell people all the time, I don't have hobbies. I don't have anything else. This is all it is. Motorsports, racing, talking about racing, uh, doing podcasts. Like this is, this is my everything. I don't, I don't really have anything else. And I feel like, I'm in a stage of my life where I don't really want to do anything else, right? I don't want to play golf. I want to race and I want to build things and I want to, uh, you know, make a mark in the world and win races. And I think, um, you know, all these things I'm doing have gotten me to where I am and they're going to continue to propel me forward. And as long as I can keep up the energy level, there's no reason to stop. Um, but no, it's, it, and then I, I should even say, you know, my PR guy, Paul, uh, here at Big Machine Racing has been instrumental in allowing us, allowing me to do all these things and help me manage it all and that sort of thing. So it's um, it takes a village 
<laughs> not just it's not just me doing this willy nilly by myself. It definitely takes a village to do all these things and to do them well. But it also takes just really great people, and I'm I'm lucky and grateful to be surrounded by so many great people that allow it to happen. Absolutely, we can't do it on our own. No man is an island, and uh, if you had to do it on your own, I'm sure the first few days would be good, and then the last few. Um, hell this is too much for me <laughs> i've done so, it before and i uh yeah i burnt out so we, no we can't do that we can't do that <laughs> and you're you're a youngster yourself my friend you don't want to do that at my age um no it's not good so it's good to have a good t- pit crew with life to do the life things with your pit crew i'm sorry that was a little bit of a rick allen jokey kind of line i just did for you but <laughs> that's how i do Oh, on a side note, before I get to my last question, I just love the fact that on the Money Lab winning picks, you always pick yourself. I mean, not to make an obvious question out of this, is it because you are that absolutely confident that you can win? Or is it kind of a principle that, hey, I would be foolish not to bet on myself? I think it's a little bit of both, right? So, yeah, do I have the confidence that we can win almost every single weekend? Yes, I do. And I really believe that. And that's why I do pick that. But then secondly, yeah, it's the, you know, why would, why would I be here if I wouldn't bet on myself? So, you know what? It's, I took the bet on myself for the last decade. I took a bet on myself doing this this year and, you know, coming back to being full time and trying to get to this level and be in this position. And so, yeah, if you're going to ask me who's going to win every Xfinity race, I'm going to pick me. <laughs> That's fair enough. I mean, if you don't think you're the best at what you do, then I don't know what you're doing. You know, I mean, we all have to think that way. We're wired that way. Uh, yeah. Humility only humility only goes so far unless you want to win. So I I can appreciate your stance on that. And I'm just looking forward to this week's graphics so I can see 48 himself. And I'm like, yes, this is my weekend. <laughs> I love it. Well, I know, my friend, you've got a lot on your plate. I'm also hoping I'm not holding up, holding up too much of your time. But uh you know, for my last question here, it's not one of those silly questions. It's kind of a serious but fun esoteric question. If you had the funds and resources to go build a racetrack anywhere around the world, what kind of track would it be and where would it be? Oh, uh, and there's no restrictions? No restrictions. Hey, man, the surplus is all yours. I would build essentially the old Bristol in the financial district of Manhattan, but it would be collapsible and it would be temporary and i would do that and i would do one big race a year there there you go (laughs) i love that idea just because that way no city people won't be saying well it's just too loud why is this track here like when the race is over you just hit a button and it just goes underneath it's gone it's completely temporary i don't know what it's made of maybe it's made of some material we don't even know at this point but you're basically a replica (laughs) of the old bristol uh, surrounded stands, probably about 160,000 stands, but we'd build it into the, into the uh, buildings around and it would be in Fidei because that place is a ghost town on the weekend. So you could make it happen. I love it. I want to see some old school Bristol with 36 degrees of banking and just uh, <laughs> people trying to walk down that banking. That's uh, insanity at its best. Well, yes. I, yeah, I, I mean, I haven't seen it, but I, I've watched a lot of the races and I loved it for sure. And I love talking to you, my friend. It's always a pleasure. I know you're you're a busy guy. You're on demand. But before we let you go, do you have anything you want to say to the Big Machine Racing fans or the fans of the podium finish? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on, bud. Appreciate it. Thank you, Rob. And you know, everyone at Podium Finish. And this is uh, this has been a very cool 
time in my life. I appreciate all the support. I see all the support. I hear it when I get introduced to the racetrack. So it really warms my heart and is very flattering. So thank you to all the fans out there. But most of all, I, uh, I truly, truly believe we can make it out of this round in the next round. And if we make it in the next round, uh, all bets are off if we can get to the championship four. And just remember, if we get to the championship four, you only got to beat three other cars. So I feel I like my odds in that one. I've, we've had to beat a lot more cars at times in our career. So I would love to uh, have the opportunity to be a cha- part of the championship four. But no matter what, this has been a sour year for us at Big Machine Racing uh, and Spike Bike Cores. And, you know, looking forward to keep the show going. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Parker Kligerman, driver of the number 48 Big Machine Spike Light Cooler Chevrolet Camaro, fielded by Big Machine Racing. And my thanks, of course, again, goes to PK for making the time possible. And, of course, his PR rep, Paul Williams of Big Machine Racing. Always a pleasure to work with Big Machine Racing. And, again, really appreciate them following me on X to get the story out there. And we're always happy to do stories about the number 48 team as well. Hey, all things unfortunately have to come to an end because it's now time to go and wrap up episode number 88 of TPF Live, the world's fastest hour racing talk with Kyle Larson and Parker Kligerman. I'm your host, Rob Tiongson, and I want to personally thank you for joining me on this podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode as it's the post-Texas pre-Talladega edition of our podcast. And of course, if you want to check out our previous podcasts, you can go to to, um, any podcasting platform out there, including Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. So as I always like to say, folks, let's all go get that checkered flag. And until next time, so long, everyone.